new t-shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com. Check out all of our cool t-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some shower curtains in there. Keep clean. Look cool. Have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon and get a free sticker. Or don't. It's up to you. spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. You're listening to KZON, only on public radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, TV Spitzer and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leanings. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZON. It's me, D.B. Spitzer, and this guy to my virtual right, Farmer Dave. David, how's it going? I am well. Yeah? And hello, everyone else. Yeah, everyone. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a good commute. I hope you're having an awesome day. Dave, I I just recently did some research. Do you know where our number one listenership is at? Poland. No. Oh. Alberta. Scotland. Alberta, Canada. Alberta, Canada? Yeah, and then it goes uh, Queensland, Queensland. Australia, and I'm not going to do any Australian accents because I, I Cause we, we want to keep you guys. We, we want to keep everyone, yeah. But we're grateful. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're grateful. And we know that they're called prawns and not shrimp. Um, and let's see, uh, then it goes Pennsylvania, California, and then our own beautiful Oregon. So thank you, everyone who's listening. And hey, everyone in Australia, Canada, uh, Everywhere out there, Iran. We got quite a few listeners in Iran now, so I was excited about that. And we hope you're all having a good day, doing what you do, and enjoying the short stories and the Cthulhu fun that we're uh, digging up in this episode. And you're going to be talking about cults in, uh, you know, a good old fashioned Dave's corner of the podcast. And then we're going to talk about a specific lady who has a song about her and. Uh, you know, uh, what else? Uh, then we have got an unreliable narrator and how to use one in your campaign. 
And or uh, do we? Or do we? Ooh, I don't know. Let me fall off of a horse and forget uh, what the things I like and just uh, study. Oh, that does sound like me. Uh, and you've got an interview with someone. Yeah, so this is actually a pioneer uh-huh. in the American Asian female uh, science fiction writer, yeah. uh, Brenda Craw, and she has uh, been writing since the 80s, oh, cool. uh, very successful writer, and this November, yeah. uh, she's basically this year, 2021, uh-huh. she has done... An 11-book series. Oh, nice. And she's published, it's set in the Victorian times, uh-huh, uh-huh. and it's uh, basically, she's published a book a month, didn't write a book a month. Whoa. You know, this has been several years in the making, but when they did get them all ready, they were released once this year, and the final book is coming out this year. Wow, that's cool. You know what, Dave, that's such a good introduction. Let's do the interview part now. And then we'll do Dave's Corner, throw in some other stuff, and then finally do D&D on D&D. Let's shake up the order because a bit. Because our friends in Australia want to see us do it upside down. Oh, come on. We don't need to make Australia jokes, Dave. Come on. Oh, I was being nice to them. Okay. <laughs> I thought they'd like us. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I was going to be like, that'd be like making neutrality jokes for all of our Swiss listeners. Or I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't want to make any it's more. It's not jokes even like really. It's just sort of. It's almost like let's eat the 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 white stuff in the Oreo first, sort of. So it's sort of the middle first. So yeah. this is this one's for you, Venezuela, <laughs> or Ecuador. <laughs> All right. So um, let's see. A quick rundown about town before the interview. Um, let's see. I hurt my hip last week, so we Ouch. didn't actually record. Uh, we had a, a, an episode in the bank, and we, we, we spent that episode. And uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. No, uh, I was raking leaves in the uh, graveyard, as we've established that. What's the e- eternal? I see the sign, but I always see it backwards, and uh, I don't know. Uh, what's glorious resurrection glorious cemetery? Rex- yeah glorious resurrection cemetery even though there's not a church attached to it so i'm pretty sure it's just a graveyard but glorious resurrection cemetery does sound a lot nicer anyway yeah, well old, old man oleander wasn't past calling something that it wasn't yeah definitely definitely so i'm raking leaves over uh by like where there's no big oak trees or anything where there's no pine trees there's nothing it's just this big empty area and i I'm raking, and I fall 20 feet and land on a big, sharp rock. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, luckily, I had told the kids to go outside and play, so they were sitting under one of the big oaks playing Pokemon on their handhelds, and uh, they they were able to... uh, Go, and go. they got a Dibifu? Uh No, 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 no. A they, <laughs> no, no. They were they were able to go get someone to get a ladder, and I was able to get out. But it looks like well, there's I'm some. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, like old collapsed tunnels underneath the graveyard. So I don't know if that's like an old sewer or what. But anyway, uh, I think it may have had something to do with the futurist or something. But anyway, uh, so I was out. I was I was on a uh, couch. Uh, for about a week, watched a lot of Community, and watched a lot of, played a lot of Fallout 4, and just kind of recovered for a bit, but yeah, um, 
just kind of goofing off right now and uh, recording this episode. But I am doing well, and I can walk around, and uh, yeah, it's all good. But let's get to that episode, Dave. And who's it with again? Oh, this is going to be uh, Brenda Klaw. Okay, all right. Klaw. Well, well, let's listen to that, and we'll see you in a little bit. And now we're at our, our interview part of the show, and I'm really excited because we have Brenda Cloth. Uh, Brenda, you're a writer, but can you tell us a little bit about what you've done? Uh, well, I'm a science fiction and fantasy writer, and I learned recently, only this year, I learned that I may be the first female Asian American science fiction writer in the U.S., uh, I've scattered around like mad to see if there's anyone earlier than me, and I haven't found one. So there might be somebody laying around somewhere, but I've uh, asked you know, people who actually are know a lot about the history of the field, and they can't find anybody, so I may be it. Who knows? C- congratulations. When was your first uh, story published? My first novel came out in 1984 from Daw Books, and it was The Crystal Crown. You remember those ones with the yellow spine? down? Oh, back? yeah. All right, I may have been one of the last ones to have the yellow spine, but uh, they pushed out about three uh, paperbacks, and then I had some novels out through Tor. Uh, uh, I think How Like a God may actually be my best-known work. Um, it was reviewed in the New York Times. Woohoo! But then uh, I've uh, and I, so I've done this and that, and uh, I have a lot of material out through Bookview Cafe, um, which I'll send you the link for. And there is, uh, and then this past year in 2021, just as a stunt, uh, I have put out 11 novels, one a month. And these wow. are Victorian thrillers in a series, uh, and they are about Miss Marion Halcombe, who was last seen in Wilkie Collins' classic novel, The Woman in White. And uh, that came out in 1860. And uh, he uh, created this wonderful proto-feminist heroine, Marion Halcombe, and she, you know, uh, does various kick-butt things within that novel. Uh, but then after that, he didn't write any anything more about it. And it was like, hello, hello, you should have written sequels. Well, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. Exactly. And, and so do you take off from... Uh, right after the uh, woman in white or is it a couple years later it is a couple years later and then you know the uh uh uh, i sort of wanted to give him space to sort of settle down at the end of the woman in white uh which ends on that happily ever after note but then uh i had to pick up the ball and run and uh there is um i've tried to stay as true to the character the voice and the period as possible so uh, everything is sort of very, fairly tightly historical, and it's also very, I hope, true to Wilkie Collins himself. There's a lot of incident in these books, uh, in the series. I was looking at my list the other day, and um, let me see. We have, we have Big Me. Uh, he, at some point, the characters are trapped in the catacombs of Paris. There's mm. a earthquake. There's... Um, uh, people are trapped in a in a uh, uh, underwater river in South America. There's fake religious cults. There's attacks by eagles. Um, uh, not wolves, but there were um, 
hippopotamus. Uh, there's a, uh, a we. I think that we're, what I tried to do is to work through the full uh, Victorian thriller uh, armamentarium, revolution, anarchists, twin princes in uh, Ruritarian nations, hidden cities in South uh, Central America, uh, wacky religious cults in rural America. So there's a lot of I try to get everything in because it that's fun. You get everything in there. Sure. And that's why I needed uh, 11 volumes to work through all this stuff. The you know, the final fate of Jack the Ripper, uh lost princes to be set on thrones, um mysterious tests for the lost princes before they can, you know, achieve their thrones. Exciting and fun. Do do you use any other uh existing uh Victorian characters. I do, and that is because um, the conceit of this is that the uh, people in the books are actually real to some extent. Yeah. And uh, the other conceit of these books is the the difference between fiction and reality is one of the uh, conceits of this book. And so every now and then the characters say, well, but you know, we're not in novels, you know, we're real people and therefore this is real life. Yeah. And uh, uh, but a couple of people, Charles Dickens himself shows up because I, I sort of needed to have him show up. But uh, a lot of uh, people who are fictional do show up. Um, I don't know whether you know Ludwig Horace Holly, who was last seen in She by H. Ryder Haggard. There, yeah. Um, yeah. So he's fairly famous. Uh, a couple of uh, people fished up from Jules Verne, uh, a number of oddballs. Uh, so, you know, people are just sort of rolling around, and there's uh, a lot of, of course, all the other characters who were in The Woman in White by Wilkie Collins, you know, Marion's friends, relations, associates, uh, insofar as possible, rake on up there, uh, because because that's sort of where the, the root of the thing is. Yeah, excellent. And so do you find it sort of difficult to, to merge the, the real historical world and the fictitious world? No. <laughs> it's, okay. uh, uh, well, every now and then I, you know, look at the world timeline and say, well, this is the year when someone made an attempt on the life of the Tsar of Russia. So I guess we could do something with that, you know. Um, there's a, uh, and the, the, a lot of this took place in the period of the Civil War. And although uh, these are all English persons it's taking place in England, she does cross the Atlantic and... Uh, uh, is uh, c- captured as a possible Confederate spy smuggling weapons to the uh, Confederacy, and the you know she's going uh, is she going to pass these weapons to Mister Rhett Butler, who runs uh, armaments into the port of Charleston, uh, bypassing the Union blockade? Well, no, she wasn't actually planning to do that, but she's in trouble legally for that anyway. And now this this. You know, eleven books. I'm assuming you didn't. Did you write each book a, a a month to write each book, or is this a longer project that's just getting published in a a, a book a month? Now, it is the latter. There's no way any anyone could write a really good book in a month. It's just too hard. Uh, I would say that it takes me about six or uh, six months to a year to actually write one of these novels, and sometimes they're much slower. So you just, uh, uh, but uh, once I got going on this particular series, they sort of popped like corn. 
And after a while, I had such a large number of them that it was clearly worthwhile to push them all out uh, as, you know, one a month just for fun. Yeah, no, but that must have been difficult because I've got this great story. I love it. I've got to, you know, I've got to sit on it until I get the other seven or eight done. That actually is a good thing because then you can go back and fix stuff. Oh, nice. She needed, oh, I don't know, a younger sister. We can go back and fix that. She needed, you know, um, you know, there's there's things you can fix that once they're out, they're sort of set in stone. But if they're not out, you can go through and fix stuff. You can add stuff. You can tinker with it. And it, so, it's not retconning if it hasn't been published yet. Exactly. You can just go through and fix that manuscript. In fact, I did do that uh, fair, just fairly recently. I am writing some more novels sort of in the same world, but they're not about the same characters. And so I uh, don't can't call it really part of the same series. But there uh, I needed uh, uh, I need needed an example of of polygamy in the system and it was there was a perfect place for it so you could just pop into the manuscript and mention well he did have three wives you know and it says well you know he was wit- so was he widowed a lot and no no they were all contemporaneous they were all in the same running at the same time oh okay and you know keep on going excellent now uh, now you're saying this is the the, the sort of the, the planned last book but maybe not of the series I would like to, uh, people have been squeaking at me and saying, you really need to do 12. 12 is a nicer number than 11. So I'm, uh, uh, I, it's a fairly loose timeline. And what I have to do is find a nice little crack at the right place in the timeline and wedge in uh, another book, which I can sort of do. And I have done that already with, with this series. At one point I was writing one of them and, there was a word, a single word in the in the manuscript, and you could, I could put my finger on that word. I, I could actually, I could put my finger on the c- computer screen of that word, and just under that word, I could feel it. There was an entire novel under that word. All I had to do is go in there, take the word out, and dive in, and there's another whole novel. Well, that's cool. That's well, amazing. So I think I can do that. I just have to go and find the right word and pop it out and dive in. And where can we find these books? They are all up on Bookview Cafe, and that's uh, just as it is, bookviewcafe.com. And uh, uh, I'm one of the – It's a it, Bookview is a publishing cooperative, and so there's about like a couple of dozen of us who are members. And uh, if you click on my name under authors, they'll all be there, plus a whole ton of other stuff. Excellent. Um, have – are you? You said you're still planning on doing some some Victorian setting writing. Uh, I got to the point where you say it's time. I want to go to another planet or the future or uh, maybe something different. Yeah, and the real the real thing with um, with um, writing in Victorian voice. One of the things that these are is they're all mostly first person narrative, which works mm. really well for historical stuff because they. Because you can make them sound like a Victorian person, and that involves word choice, sentence structure, you know, just stuff. And I can do that. In fact, I can do that really good. And I realize if I don't stop doing this, I'm going to get stuck in this forever. I needed to, I needed to, I needed to do a different voice. So I d- decided to hop out of that timeline, dial it forward, 
1950, here we come. And now uh, I can be very Ernest Hemingway and, um, um, golly, I can't think of Graham Greene, let's say. I can be, I can be 20th century. So I needed to dial it back, get out, and go, go into, uh, find another, another historical voice. Uh, Maybe a little Kerouac? I guess so. I don't really know. But what I'm trying to do is, if you want to get it down to this level, I'm trying to write simple declarative sentences without too many adjectives or adverbs. Just, you know, subject, object, subject, verb, object, subject, ob- verb, object. And rather than the the more elaborate things that are popular in the works of Dickens and Trollope, let us say, where you can just go and go and go and uh, there's more and more and stuff. But it's all grammatical. And I can do that. But... I have to stop doing it. I can't keep on doing this forever. Sure, sure. Now, this is sort of our our general question, but let's say you were allowed to do any project you want in any medium. Copyright money is not an issue. What would you choose? What would be, what's your dream project? Gee, I don't know. Uh, I would like to... It might be interesting to write a script for a comic book. I have mm. uh, been a, I was a comic book fan for a long time, and uh, I'm not certain that uh, uh, the time for that for me hasn't passed by, but it would be an interesting thing to do, and uh, uh, I'm not certain that I would uh, I'm not certain that DC Comics would want me to come in and play with Batman. But uh, it would be it would be uh, it would be a different sort of thing than they usually do, and so the answer to that is probably no. I am really idiosyncratic, and it would be uh, uh, I would be different. That's all it would be. Maybe an other worlds or something. Yeah, they they were doing else worlds for a long time. I don't know if they're going to do that anymore. Maybe they they've uh, I think they discovered that they had sort of gone down to that well often enough. So I don't know what would happen, but it would have been interesting to do. And there's certainly a lot of uh, possibilities rolling around. Uh, definitely. It sounds like you got it. You would be one of the people to go to, um, to, to, to maybe get something new out of that, that well. Yep. Uh, I, I would be a good person for that. I'm pretty good at thinking outside of the box and going you know, you want a blue sky idea, I can do that for you. Excellent. And, you know, we're about out of time, but is there anything else maybe you'd like to share with our audience? Maybe something else upcoming that you really want them to know about? Um, well, we have a, a couple of, I have a couple of short things coming up or uh, that are, I think, just out in various Bookview Cafe uh, anthologies. They just put out one uh it's Halloween related, actually, so it's about ghosts. I had never written a ghost story before, but clearly one had oh. to, you know. Yeah, no, excellent. And uh, can you say the name uh, the name of that book or that the? I think it's titled, uh, I think it's titled Murmurs in the Dark, but oh. uh, it'll it will have just come out this this uh, week or something from Bookview Cafe, so it's around, and uh, I. Uh, it should be it should be around uh, okay. on, either on the website or on my Facebook page. Uh, oh, and the other thing that's worth knowing is uh, I have a web page, and it's um, my name Brenda Clough.net, 
or you can Google on my name. I believe I'm the only Brenda W. Clough on the Internet, or at least on the first 300 hits if you put the name into Google. So there may be another one floating around out there, but they're much more rare. Excellent. And, and we'll have DB put some some okay. links in uh, our show notes. I just really love talking to you, and, and I, I too am. I got actually my degree in history, so I'm a huge fan of the Victorian period, oh, both you all historical like and fictional. You all have a good time with these books. They are uh, 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 they're as tight as I can get it, historically speaking. Everything is uh, as tight as I can manage it. Well, excellent, and we definitely hope to have you on again soon, so thank you very much. Okay, thank you so much. Now that we've got Skype to work, who knows, and there's nothing impossible for us. Yep. Welcome to Innsmouth, stranger. Hi, I'm Rob Whiten from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash InnsmouthBC. We hope to see you soon, because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. This month's bandwidth is brought to you by Psychedelic Water. Legal psychedelics suspended in green tea and then put inside of a can for you. Psychedelic Water. Who needs a Tillinghast resonator when you've got psychedelic water? Are you a curvy girl? Do you know a curvy girl? You love a curvy girl. Check out the show, Larry. Find, find student instruments, beginner's instruments. If you want to modify a guitar, check out Glary. If you want to get into guitars, if you love guitars, Glary. Things from another world. It's a store that has art. It has toys. It has comics, graphic novels. It is the place if you like that kind of stuff. Dave and I have talked about it in the show before. They were ever a sponsor. Dave likes to check out their stuff. I like to check out their stuff. They're pretty cool. Toys, art, graphic design, not graphic design, graphic novels for you. Things from another world. Check out the show notes. Uh, check out the links on, on our website, PGPTCM. We've got specific stuff there to let you know what they've got going on for specials. Anyway, thank you again so much. Did you know that there is a THC derivative that's legal called Delta 8? Not to be confused with the Delta variant, but Delta 8. Yeah. Uh, you can get it in chewable form, and it's sold at 
what's what's Golden Goat CBD, one of our sponsors? Yeah, you can get some Delta 8, and you can also pick up some CBD chewables gummies. They've got smokables for the Delta 8, and they've got all kinds of stuff for CBD, and they can help you out. Uh, Check the show notes, Golden Goat. And while you're in the show notes, hey, do you know about Donner? Donner has so many amazing musical instruments from all kinds, mandolins, banjos, they've got drums, they've got amplifiers, they've got guitars, they've got all kinds of stuff, and they ship worldwide. Check out Donner. I think you're going to like it, and I think Donner's going to have a good deal for you. So I, I love their electric guitars. A lot of the music that I perform for the show is either on one brand or it's on a Donner. So check out Donner. And check out some savings. All right. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show, how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the people's guide to the Cthulhu mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show. Dave's everyone we're back it's me db spitzer and this handsome fellow over here farmer dave farmer dave this is your corner what do you want to talk about this week well so last week while you were falling down and hurting yourself yeah and i'm yeah. sorry you did yeah, but me too <laughs> that, that gave me extra time sure that's a bad thing to give to me yeah because then i find something and i study Ooh. so you know you know, uh, what, one of the nicknames for, for fans of the mythos and, mm-hmm. and Lovecraft in general are occultists. You know, yeah. I don't know. You, you heard, you know, Lovecraft fans called cultists? Sure, yeah. Okay. So, but I studied some real world cults. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm so I'm going to, before I start out, I'm going to say all belief systems taken out of context are ridiculous. Oh, yeah. So, um, and, and these are just things that I found very humorous. <laughs> but and if this is somebody's real belief system, then we don't mean any insult. Um, and, you know, we get if this is something that you honestly believe, more power to you. Because the whole idea of faith is that you, it gives you this strength that if things made sense, you wouldn't need strength. So, you know, we're not mocking anyone's faith. But, you know, it's stuff that I kind of found humorous, and maybe you will, too. All right. Now, that part that I just said doesn't apply to this cult. Okay. So the first cult I want to talk about is QAnon. Okay. I got to turn my mic off real quick because I'm about to have a coughing fit. Okay. You read all your stuff, and I'll just be quiet. (laughs) Okay. So, so, you know, I'm sure you've heard of QAnon. 
But last, you know, well, when we broadcast. Oh, did you hear that? Oh, <laughs> did, did, did you hear that? Yeah, what was that? I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it was some truck driving by backfiring, either that or the QAnon people know I'm talking about them. Yeah, that that was crazy. So, uh, welcome to life in northern rural northern Oregon. Um, I think it was a truck, but yeah. could have been sh- <laughs> we could have been shot at. Um, okay, well, uh, okay. Uh, so I'm going to talk fast. So a couple of weeks ago, there was in Texas this big QAnon meeting. Big being it varies from sixty to two hundred people, and that they believed that. And I, I'm not sure if everybody heard the full story of this, but that John F. Kennedy Jr., who tragically, you know, died with his wife and sister-in-law in, in a plane crash, you know, 22 years ago, was going to say, "Ha, huh, guess what? I'm alive, and the rightful president is Donald Trump." And so, where does he want to have this? But of course, Daly Plaza, which is where his father was shot. Now that just is just. Really sort of mind-boggling. But, you know, they said, it's going to be here. It's going to be at the end of the night. And so it starts getting dark. And John F. Kennedy Jr. does not show up. So, and this is the part that I don't think that the newspapers and stuff, the press covered, mm-hmm. is that they needed a, an excuse, at least buy them a couple more hours. Mm-hmm. So started passing around, well, who's playing a concert here more than just a few miles away? than the Rolling Stones. So the QAnon people started saying that not only did John F. Kennedy not assassinate it, he has for the rest, for the the last, you know, since 1960-whatever... 63. ...had an assumed identity sure. of Keith Richards. Oh, my God. And they believe that Keith Richards was going to drive in, reveal himself... As John F. Kennedy and John F. Kennedy Jr. was going to come and they were going to denounce the corporation, which is the United States of America, uh-huh. and restore the true president, which would be Donald Trump, who would make John F. Kennedy Jr. the vice president. Yeah. And then when John F. Ken- when Trump left, Kennedy Jr. would become the new president and he would pick Michael Flynn. And Kennedy and um, Trump would become the king of America. Yeah, yeah. It didn't happen. Um, isn't there something about this where um, Kennedy's real father is Patton, and that makes him somehow Trump's first cousin? Or like, oh man, I I I, I saw something. On, on CNBC the other day and I was like wait a minute what and they clearly went through and I was like I don't I don't understand this wait a minute I how can people I don't understand how people can believe it was really confusing and I'll, I'll, I'll maybe put a link in the show notes but you know anyway sure I'd like to check that one yeah. out too but you know 
I, I don't think that the Kennedy faked his death and uh, and has been going by the pseudonym of Keith Richards. <laughs> I didn't think you could top that, but apparently they did. Yeah, and why would they do it like uh, whenever they did it? Why wouldn't they do it on November twenty second? Because that's that's when when Kennedy was shot in Daly Plaza in nineteen sixty three. Are we asking for logic? Uh, no, no, no. I just like feel like if these people know, okay, if these people are hardwired into all this conspiracy stuff, like wouldn't they? I don't know. I just feel like they'd have like dates that would line up with things, so there'd be synchronicity or something like that, and yeah. or like be like, oh, wait a minute, you know, or or like I at least want to hear like actually it's going to be November twenty second, and this is why. But uh, apparently, that it's 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 an off branch of QAnon that even like mainstream QAnon people are like that. Those people are crazy, and we want nothing. QAnon, we're a level above QAnon. <laughs> but that's that's the reason why there was only two hundred, three hundred people was that it was this like kind of like really, really kind of like ultra-Christian, weird, fringe part of QAnon from what I was led to believe. I don't... It probably is. I have Regular no QAnon's not crazy enough for us. Oh, man. No, it is. It is. I'm... <laughs> but that's not all. We've got more cults. Okay, cool. What other cults and do This we have? one has the coolest name. Okay. Happy Science. Happy Science, okay. So, Happy Science, have you ever heard of them? I don't believe so. So, they're out of Japan, and they are a cult slash political movement, too. Oh. But, so, one of their teachings, and, and they also, the thing is, you don't have to take my word. Happy Science has these all these anime studios, mm-hmm. and so you can watch animes about this. Okay. And so, Lucifer is this space alien cat. Okay. Who, who he basically got all these spaceships with these aliens, and they flew to Earth, um, you know, thousands, thousands, hundreds, whatever years ago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then they got on their flying surfboards, okay, and they went out and hunting, and they killed all the dinosaurs. Oh, okay. And, and they have videos so you can watch. It's actually kind of cool. Hmm. And but see, Lucifer is still alive now. Okay. But okay. so if you see, but so you can see him. And you can talk to him, All right. you know, if he's there. And you go, Lucifer, you're this alien space cat evil demon thing. And then he will say, turn around and say, no, I'm just a furry. Okay. All right. That's part of their actual doctrine. <laughs> the, the, so their, their leader, though, he'll get in trances. Mm-hmm. And, and he's right. He also sort of right wing conservative. It's amazing okay. how many of these sort of cult groups are are, are right wing. And I'm not even talking about but this. I mean, his basically is we should have bombed China, and okay. and that's it. So, but he can get into these seances, right? Sure. And um, so he will. The spirits of leaders we've passed on mm-hmm. will come in. And he will channel them. And so he was uh, channeling uh, the spirit of Barack Obama. 
Okay. And who apologized because the one policy that he definitely should have done was carpet bomb China. Now, there may be a little bit of problem because this is such an incredible episode. You may be listening to this in the next century. But Barack Obama's not dead. Yeah, yeah. But somehow his ghost, he channeled his ghost and apologized for not, you know, carpet bombing China. Okay, yeah, yeah. So so that, that's the happy science cult. Wow. Huh. Interesting. And, and, and the next one, I, I, I got to be a little bit careful because... Um, there is some tragedy here, but have you ever heard of the love has won and it's W O N cult? No. So they they were well. Uh, I'll talk about why you may have heard last April they were really big in the in the news because of something that happened on the fight. But so the love has won cult basically came out. Mm-hmm. This guy who is a prophet found God. God was working at McDonald's. Okay. Now, 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 not, I don't want you to think, oh, yeah, McDonald's is some sort of kid that, you know, is working at McDonald's in the drive-thru. At least God was the manager of this McDonald's. And so he comes to her and he says, you're God. You are Mother God. And so after going about, you know, I don't know how long, this woman said, okay, you're right. I'm God. And so, uh, so God was working at McDonald's, and then left her family and three children to um, be God. And uh, so they started a commune, and they got chased out of all sort of these different states. But apparently, God got gets bored easy on this universe. So God, and this isn't like. She's a smart. So this is the actual creator, female creation essence of of the universe. Got, gets bored, so they had to start a GoFundMe page for God, so that she could get uh, games on her phone, so she wouldn't be bored. Wow! And, and, and apparently, the one of the problems is God, the creator of the universe, mm-hmm. uh, Mother God. Would be a, is a nasty drunk, oh, so okay. she'd be the sweet, sweet, benign deity. But then she'd get a couple of uh, of drinks under her, and uh, she would just go on YouTube and and cuss people out. Oh, yeah. Now uh, she also would help people by curing cancer by sending the ghost of Robin Williams into their body to clean out the cancer. And now, as I mentioned, though, April, unfortunately, uh-huh. they did, uh, the police did a welfare check on God. Okay. And found out that she had passed away. Uh huh. And that her, and that's sort of, sort of tragic, but her followers were basically still worshiping her in this double wide trailer. Yeah. Where her body became naturally mummified. Oh, wow. And, and so there was, so so yeah, so God, God has has left. Um, but I saved one of the best ones for last. All right. And so, 
Uh, the city of Youngstown, um, oh, um, Ohio, uh-huh. passed a law that said that you have to, um, that, that at least one day in the science class, they had to teach creationism. But okay. they couldn't find this book that sort of didn't kind of contradict itself. So they found a book, and I'm not sure if they knew the source, uh-huh. but it is by a, a man named Adnan Akhtar. Okay. Uh, who is, he lives in Istanbul, Turkey. Okay. And he is the leader of the Muslim creationist. And he is the only Muslim creationist. Uh, and which I would think, you know, since they only use the first part of the, the Bible, but, you know, apparently Islam's not really that worried about where the world came from. Mm-hmm. It's God, Allah created it. That's the important part to us. Okay. So he's, he has this, he's basically a telepreacher, a televangelist uh-huh. for Islam that, his big thing is evolution is fake. He has this huge museum in Turkey where you can see million-year-old seahorses. Okay. See, seahorses didn't evolve. They've always been seahorses. Sure. Okay. But that's not all. This can't be just normal. Mm-hmm. It's also a sex cult. Ah, gotcha. So he's, among other things, so he does these TV shows. He has this big sort of compound where he broadcasts. And he has these group of women which are called kittens Yikes. and the kittens all have short bl- blonde dyed hair and they don't wear really for, not like bikinis or something but they wear very trendy in vogue clothing they, they, they honest to goodness it reminds me of Charlie's Angels Okay, and he's this televangelist and he's got this room full of these Blonde, beautiful women who are basically following him. Yeah, and, and he says he's a feminist, and and you know, I guess that's what kind kind of passes for feminism in yeah. Turkey. But you know, it's also Turkey is also a secular country. It's mm-hmm. actually pretty, from what I understand, you can find you know Western European style, mm-hmm. but apparently, one of his things is to get power. Is that he invites all political people come and to have parties with his kittens? Huh. So he's basically Charlie from Charlie's Angels, a televangelist, and Hugh Hefner all wrapped in one. Uh. <laughs> Yikes! Yikes! Uh, that makes me wonder if people are going to wonder. In like 60, 70 years or like 100 years or 500 years from now, if they watch footage of Hee Haw, they think Roy Clark was some sort of cult leader who had all of these like women follow and sing for him and such. The Hee Haw honeys. I was forced to watch Hee Haw a lot as a child. Anyway. <laughs> so I know I said that that was the last one, but one last one. It's one kind of disappeared. One. Okay. All right. The Church of Ed Wood. So this was probably started out as a parody religion. Sure. Uh, And all that really exists left now is their website. Uh But a year after they did it, so it became an online web. It was probably just a parody. Mm -hmm. But a year after the website was created, they became a legal religion. 
Okay. So that they could perform things like weddings and marriages. But it's pretty much disappeared, and all that they've got left is their website. Aha. Well, I grew up in Portland, as you know, and we had something until, like, I want to say early 2000s, something that was known as the Church of Elvis. Where the 24-hour. 24 24-hour Church, Church of Elvis on 2nd and Ankeny, I believe, was its last location. Or 7th and Ankeny, I think, was its la- last location. But it was on Ankeny, uh, over by the Oyster Bar at first, and then behind Mary's Strip Club. Uh, yeah, so... But it, but it was more kind of like a an art gallery. It was an art installation, right? but it was also a legal religion, and you could get married there uh, legally or just for funsies. And there was kind of stuff like that. Uh, you could be ordained a saint in the Church of Elvis, and you'd get a placard and all this stuff. Uh, yeah, it was mostly an art installation, but it was also kind of like this kind of like cult like light cult kind of things like it was a rite of passage if you were a teenager that lived in the pacific northwest to go to portland and go to the church of elvis and pay five bucks for a bunch of like weird little paper trinkets you know it was it was you know get get free condoms and weird paper stuff and uh i don't know as the church does yeah yeah (laughs) and and then go to pals but uh yeah yeah um I was a huge fan of it as a, as, as a teen, but yeah. Um, and then sometime, uh, after I moved away, it disappeared. So I have no idea if it's even online or anything like that, but Portland for a long time did have the church of Elvis, the 24 hour church of Elvis. And it was, had computer screens to like, uh, sort out what you wanted and uh, what what things you were looking for and like the computer screen had an automated thing and stuff would dump out and it'd give you random stuff too so anyway but as churches do <laughs> as churches do but yeah yeah church of elvis that was anyway sorry to hijack your segment dave no no <laughs> i we always love information from other faiths. Sure, sure, sure. But, so that is my corner today. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Up next, we are going to just do that thing where Dave and I talk about stuff, and then we're going to do D&D on D&D after these words. Do you like the TV series Tales from the Crypt? Are you interested in full episode and movie reviews from Tales from the Crypt? This podcast is for you. The Good Evening Kitties podcast, where I, Melissa, your ghostess with the mostest, recap every episode with special guests and bonus horror movie reviews. The Good Evening Kitties podcast can be found on most podcast platforms. Check it out today. words are over so uh we were gonna those talk. words are burnt in my heart and soul forever <laughs> now i'm gonna have to put something in there <laughs> in editing that you're gonna regret saying that um so we're we're talking about casilda from the king in yellow dave what kind of research have you done well the you know so i'm gonna th- throw this up there's th- 
I've always been, I mean, for those who are listening and are not familiar, The King of Yellow is this fictitious play that if you act in it or read it or see a play, you're going to go crazy. Crazy. And you're going to become a, a worshiper of, you know, the avatar of Hostar, which is the, the King of Yellow. Mm-hmm. And so there are a couple versions out there, and I've always been like, well, you know, I don't want to read this. I'll go crazy. I don't want to read this. <laughs> I read it and I go, gee, I didn't go crazy. Sure. Um, but I was going to sort of, the one play that I think that I associate with the King of Yellow, the one real world play, mm-hmm. I would say it would be Titus Andromachus by Shakespeare. Okay. Uh, I'm not, for those who are not that familiar, we're not sure, but Titus Andromachus was probably Shakespeare's first performed play. It's not that good. He gets better. Mm-hmm. He gets better. But, you know, everybody gets die. Everybody dies and, you know, arms get cut off. And so I've always kind of figured it's kind of a, yeah, a version of Titus Andromachus. Um, and so in this play, now this play is almost always seen as a play, but it has a song in it, mm-hmm. and, and which she sings this song. And, and I think Chambers wrote the words. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if those came later, but I don't think Chambers wrote any tune, uh, the tune to it. Okay. Um, and so you can find the words, and there's maybe you know three or four versions on YouTube, and, and it's usually done kind of as a mixture of if uh, if Enya did prog rock. Gotcha. Uh, and they're actually not that bad. I mean, you kind of at the end, you kind of oh, I didn't go crazy, but they're actually decent versions. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of the things like. Uh, the Tatters of the Kings, lines like that that we associate with um, with uh, the King in Yellow are, are parts of her song. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, so what did you have to share about <laughs> One thing I wanted to say right off the top of my head is Chaosium produced a book called Casilda's Song edited by the late, great Joe Pulford Jr. And... I have to say, if you haven't read it, you have to track it down. It is a collection of stories written by women and its its influence and 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 Casilda's influence and the King in Yellow's influence on people in the world. And it's all kinds of different women, all kinds of different walks of life, um, artists, moms. Uh, actiony type stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, mm. it's, it's, it's really cool. And I, I really recommend it. I, I was given a digital copy a very long time ago, uh, to cover for the podcast. So this would have been 2015 and yeah, I, I, I think I reviewed it in like the third season of the mm. podcast, but I don't know if that episode is up or still exists anymore, but or did people go crazy and they had to pull it down? Yeah, the the uh, country of France uh, ordered. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, Casilda. Casilda is um, one of the characters, and yeah, yeah, she's she's the the queen of um, Yathil, I think it's the the, the name of it. 
Um, yes. if, if we're going by like the Thomas ring or, uh, oh goodness. But, um, like Lynn Carter talked about how she's like kind of a mother figure in a royal line. Um, that there's a, 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 a city that they live in and, uh, there's, there's like a war going on and Camilla, who is her daughter or her sister, um, there's oh, or both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's 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 never quite stated whether or not uh, she is human. But I, I I was looking for origins, and uh, possibly the only thing I could find is derived from uh, Saint Casilda of. Uh, Toledo, daughter of a Muslim king. There's a town in Argentina called Casilda and a genus of moths called Casilda. But <laughs> origins, that's 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 the best I could come up with. <laughs> and, and, and just real quickly too, because mm-hmm. I brought it up. If you are interested in reading uh, Casilda's song, the paperback you're talking about, you can get it for Kindle uh, on Amazon for less than nine bucks. It looks like there's no more paper copies. Oh, well, yeah, no, I, 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 don't, I never had a paper copy, so I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. Um... <laughs> Okay, cool. I am still recording. I was on another screen for a long time. <laughs> All right. But, but yeah, so I, I mean, yeah, so I mean, you could definitely use this as as a character, or in, a, in an RPG, or a character in your RPG. Sure. It could be as part of a play. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you know. Uh, your 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 adventurers go relax, you know, at the the, the local theater, mm-hmm. and, and then it all of a sudden, you know, everybody freezes, and, and the actress of Casilda, you know, starts giving them the mission, spawning out where they're to go, and yeah. everything goes back, and they go talk to her, uh, you know, uh, you know, at backstage after the play, and they're like, uh, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Very cool. I like that idea for a game or a story. Yeah. And uh, just a reminder to everyone, if you use one of Dave's ideas or one of my ideas on uh, a story or a game and you publish it, at least give us credit or a free copy. That's all we ask. (laughs) We're not asking for money. <laughs> I, I ask that you love me too. Yeah, yeah. Dave asks that you that, love. That him. may be harder than than other parts. I ask for nothing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anything else about Casilda we want to chat about? You know, I I think other than also I kind of like maybe, I and mean, you could do this in a D and D, but definitely in a Call of Cthulhu game. Sure. Is you know all of a sudden they start meeting this sort of or characters start meeting this sort of ingenue, and, and it is the character from the play mm-hmm. come to life, come to personification, yeah, in material form, or is it? Ooh, 
or they meet an actress who plays Casilda and she keeps getting murdered over and over again, but it's not the same woman. It's a different woman. They all look alike. What's going on? I don't know. That's <laughs> no, no, I think that's very good because that's part of, and, and we're going to talk a little bit of that too, especially in there. Uh, uh, we're going over, I think, uh, repairs of reputation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, Castane. Yeah. Yeah. So is, <laughs> They're one of the ways to read that, as well as King Yellow, is that there are certain people that are living in different realities. Yeah. That they're here, we see them, they're physical contact, but their universe is different. Or is it? Are they telling us a story that is unreliable? Or are they giving us a reliable report? From their universe, from their world perspective, their altered universe yeah. radiates out from them. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. That's that's very Robin D. Laws. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and but you you've got to if you're going to do this, that's hard enough to put in a story. Oh yeah. yeah. But you got to get sort of you got to have a, a the right gaming group. If you're going to do this as a game, I mean you don't want to give too many clues before you start. Sure. But yeah, you gotta be kind of you gotta it's gotta be you gotta have the right players for something like that. Yeah, I have to. I, I feel like you have to have the right kind of players, the right kind of ambiance, and like kind of like very very fine tune your uh, meta narrative before even like going into the king in yellow. Because I've done it with people who I play D and D with, and they ruined the game. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, three sessions of this, I'm done. And then, like, kept some people and be like, all right, you can stay. We'll get some other people who I know want to play. And hopefully... Oh, that's what happened. Yeah. No. <laughs> Not your game, Dave. I haven't played D&D in forever. <laughs> that's what... Uh, no. Um, and I was going to say, anyone who hears that who... Uh, you know, play D and D with me. It's not you. I swear, it's not you. Those people are uh, all in jail or dead. So, yeah. Bum 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 bum. Anyway, so yeah, unreliable narrators, uh, warped realities, uh, projections of the future. Um, yeah. yeah. So 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 and. and Especially, I mean, unreliable narrator is this incredible writing tool. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to get into a game. What I mean, if your uh, DM... unreliable narrator in most games are lies? Yeah, you know, that's yeah, yeah. But what if you have a DM who's acting like an unreliable narrator who's not quite giving you the perspective of reality because of the fact that you are the person who fell off your horse. You're the one who hit your head. You're the one who read The King in Yellow. You're the one who stayed for the second half of the play and barely escaped with your life. You're the one who found the phonograph and listened to all four sides. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways. You, you're the one who watched the anime about the Yellow King. You're the one who played the video game. You know, We, we can keep doing it with all kinds of media, but once you see it, your reality's changing, and it's up to the keeper or dungeon master or GM to become an unreliable narrator of reality. You can start slipping in things like 
um, golden eels and TikTok men and, you know, like little clockwork people or faces on the moon or like ghostly people walking through fields when you look out of your spacious uh, chateau in the uh, Auvergne region of France. You know, unreliable narrator. The statue just so looked at you. The closest I ever came to pulling that off yeah. was, was a Shadowrun game. Ooh. And where all of a sudden, all the contacts were just acting completely different. Yeah. Wearing different clothes, completely different personalities. And then all sort of religious icons, instead of Christ or Buddha, were Alan Turing. Ah. And, and so what happened, what they realized it is that I started the game in the middle. Yeah. And that they were doing it, they were, they were doing a, um, and they were plugged in. It was an AI simulation. Okay. Test, and that, that they didn't realize that they had forgotten or that, that in their parts of the mind that they were in, you know, that they were going in, they were getting paid to test this, mm -hmm. got wiped. Oh, wow. So halfway through, they had to finally figure... And, and I, th I can't remember full, because it was probably 20 years ago we played. Mm -hmm. But finally, they put enough clues, or the, or I came out and told... Especially when all of a sudden they started seeing, you know, video game characters walking down the street. You know, that they were in, you know, they were plugged into the... And I think... I'm not even sure. This might even, I may have even done this before The Matrix was out. Yeah. The, so, so, you know, they had to put together this, this unreliable GM. Is not necessarily, he's not, you know, he's, well, no, you said this. Well, that's true, too. And, you know, they thought, oh, wait a minute, something's not right. And mm -hmm. so they had to find basically a back door in the computer system to escape. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, who's to say that? Who's to say that? Okay, you know, we're doing a. Hey guys, you know, we're doing a, a 1920s Call of Cthulhu one shot. Okay, and then all of a sudden, you know, things that the universe start breaking up. No, you're you're actually in the year 2070. This is a virtual simulation that you know you guys are stuck in. It. The monsters aren't real. It's just part of the programming. I I've definitely done it where people have been like in a simulation. Where they think they're playing like some knockoff Star Wars game and they wake up and come out of the simulation and they're in a knockoff uh, Mad Max or Fallout kind of thing. But yeah, no, no. Um, definitely like the King in Yellow as simulation is an, definitely an interesting idea. Or um, I don't know. Um, what the, if, this, the, the king in yellow is the matrix yeah or, or I was, agent smith is a, a hostile avatar <laughs> uh i was i my, my my mind started going more towards like um uh event horizon of 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 like okay. or 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 like even if that stuff isn't really happening, like people like hallucinating, like a bunch of people hallucinating something, uh, as opposed to like one person hallucinating something. Like say you have some sort of like space event going on, some sort of like futuristic thing, and then it keeps going like back to like uh, Baroque, uh, kind of like Vienna, kind of like uh, powdered wigs and gondolas and like weird, 
not not gondolas, but uh, decorative boats and you know king and yellowy type stuff. Uh, sure. Kind of switch back and forth with that, or just even like you know like the kind of stuff that people hold on to for. Carcosa of like the shifting city and stuff like that. Throw in little elements of that into whatever city your characters are, you know, say you're doing a modern San Francisco, start slipping in like uh, buildings start changing just in the corner of your eyes as you're walking through Chinatown. You know, it's like things start shifting and it's like, uh, or you keep walking through Chinatown and then uh, the rest of San Francisco out of the corner of your eye starts like trying to form into Chinatown somehow and or like old architecture uh, I don't know maybe San Francisco is one of those cities that's been swallowed by Carcosa so many times that there's just this element of the king in yellow that just kind of like always coats the city in your campaign I'm not saying like canon wise or anything because that's the great thing about these games is we can do whatever we want or writing our own stories we can do whatever we want and then occasionally someone goes hey that's canon <laughs> yeah or you know maybe you know maybe not maybe it doesn't get all the way to carcosa yeah um you know so repair of reputations to me it, it's almost you know you know, 1910, 1920s cyberpunk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It talks about the near future. Yeah. It, so maybe, you know, the characters get bumped in the head or something. Yeah. And, or even an Einstein campaign. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, they start noticing things changing. These suicide booths start popping up. Yeah. The, the military is riding around on their horses. Uh -huh. and, you know, um, so... Yeah, maybe maybe the characters start going from, you know, our world or their world, the, the or the campaign world mm -hmm. to the to the the world of, um, you know, the repair of reputation. Yeah, and I, I was thinking like if you did that with your modern game, you could definitely like then like force people into like a. Um, like RoboCop type environment, or like uh, think of, of I'm thinking movies specifically like RoboCop, or like uh, Running Game, uh, Running Man. I was thinking like Running Man. Yeah, Running Man. Excuse me. You know, just kind of like an ultra violent kind of like, uh, kind of like super capitalist, super kind of like ultra conservative, maybe kind of like near future where like suicide booths are totally cool or like maybe it's like you know uh socialized medicine but it's all in a booth right there and you can get whatever you want whether it be opioids or a band-aid man i want some silent <laughs> dream yeah 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 or something like that where it's like yeah you know nowadays in the future 15 years from now we openly consume human meat i mean we just have humans that we farm they never introduced into society uh, you, you know, the, like that kind of thing. And like, just like blend it in with your king in yellow. Just kind of like... And yeah, uh, false narrator, repair of reputations. What else do we have, Dave? Anything else that you... Uh, I, I think we've covered it really well, honestly. Me too, me too. It wasn't quite... Uh, 
Hildred Castain, but I mean, kind of like the spirit of Hildred Castain, which uh, for role-playing purposes and story purposes is generally someone who is influenced, thought of as being influenced by the myth. Or did we talk all about Hildred Castain and you, the listener, remembered it wrong. And there's an alternate take on uh, Hildred Castain that if we go with Dominique uh, Lamacy's, she talked about it in some detail during her interview. And I want to highly recommend people go back and listen to that one. And it's it's kind of like a non-mythos interpretation. It's, it's kind of like more of a literary interpretation, which I really like of the fact that he was just a rich asshole who fell off of a horse and then like started like fantasizing about his conservative dreams that involve like a war with Germany and suicide booths that I'm sure Chambers who was like used to hanging out with like rich a-holes was like you know I know people like that who would be all about this kind of stuff but anyway um, let's put a supernatural spin on it and yeah I don't know but yeah yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that definitely fits with the unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you can even do that. Like, if you just have, like, I don't know, a socialite in D&D, not D&D, like a socialite or a dilettante in Call of Cthulhu or any kind of, like, modern role-playing game type, and they hit their head and they're perceiving things wrong or, you know, maybe neural implants into a group or something like that, and they're just perceiving and, things. And the character, or the players, are so hardwired to believe it's part of the campaign. Yeah. The, 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 the obvious, this person hurt their head, and yeah. they're imagining things. Oh, yeah. It's the last thing they think of. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you could, like, have, like, a... Uh, 15, you know, yeah, have, have someone uh, play D&D from, like, first level to 15th level, and then they go and see some sort of, like, I don't know, they, they, they go to a church for uh, some, some reason, like, to get a curse removed, and then it's like, oh, hey, you've been in a mental institution for the last seven years, and then you yeah. start doing your spy craft game, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the drugs wore off. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for coming by and listening to me and Dave talk about uh, D&D and D&D. And Dave talk about cults. And then we had that interview. And we talked about Casilda. And thank you again so much. Yeah. And, um... Especially our people who are listening from Australia. Thank you for staying with us, despite my terrible joke. And and Alberta, Canada, that that uh, chunk of Canada. Thank you again. And everyone else, everywhere else, you're awesome. Thank you. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your ma, tell your pa, we'll ship you down to Sethogwa. You can buy that shirt in the shop. And, of course, PGTTCM.com is where you can scan through and find all of our back catalog. That's still up. And PGTTCM. 
ttcm.podbean.com is the RSS feed where you can get everything from the source when it comes out. And of course, we have a Patreon. And if or anyone's, can you? Uh, you can. And we've got a Patreon. And if you sign up for Patreon, I swear I'll put on all of the back stuff that I've been meaning to put up for the last few months. And of course. Or will we? Uh, hopefully we will. Oh. And of, of course, join us next time and November more spooky stories. So, yeah, as as I say in those episodes, no more surfing that carpet for uh, dope ass horror, because we've got it a PGTTCM. Anything else you got to say before we leave, Dave? Other than you know, have a, a wonderful November. Yeah, I hope everyone does. All right, I'll see you later, everyone. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the show. Music is by me, D.B. Spitzer, edited and produced by me, D.B. Spitzer. The interview portions are always edited and produced by David Heath. And, hey, you can find us wherever you find podcasts. So check out pgttcm.com. And if you don't want to check out the Patreon, if you don't want to do that and you want to help out the show, just go to sponsors or buy T-shirts or anything like that. Anything helps. Thank you again. You're listening to KZOM. Only in public radio.